Let's talk about this home that we get to go to. We have two more weeks left in our series on heaven. Uh, and uh, as we're going through Revelation 21, 22, we're taking an exegetical, just working through. And if you've missed any of the previous sermons, you can find them on our website, funchurch.com. They're there. Uh, but uh, this week, as we get up in there, we say, why does heaven matter? And, uh, and in today's passage, we learn a lot about um, God's presence. And why it matters so deeply. And so uh, let's, let's get to it. It comes to us from Revelation 21, 22 through 27. And it says this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Do it. Aha. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So God's presence is what this is all talking about. Uh, all of these things that we have here talks about God's presence in heaven and uh, why that matters. Now, the first thing that we see is that in heaven, there's not going to be a temple. And I love this. It says, there, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and its lamb are the temple. Now, if you were like me, probably uh, you might have like read through that and said, well, that makes sense. God is there, right? <laughs> so... No temple, big deal. Well, let's think about that for just a second, because this is so different than our experience. Right? When God made the world, right, the very beginning, was there a temple? No. God didn't say on the seventh day he built a temple and said, you know, here we go, come meet with me here. Right? It says that, that he made everything on the seventh day, he rested. But then we find out later on that he would walk in the cool of the garden every day with Adam. That's an amazing thing. You have friendship with God. Uninhibited access to the creator himself. There was no need for a temple in the garden because God was there, present. Ever since the fall, we had lost that, didn't we? Our lives have this separation that we know, we sense, we, 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 we hate between us and God. You ever gone through one of those times where you were praying and praying and praying and God feels very close and all of a sudden he doesn't feel close? And you wonder, God, how do I get close to you? He hasn't left you, but we don't sense him. And you feel alone or there's circumstances in life that hit and you're like, Lord, I, I just wish that <laughs> I wish I could sense you right now. Or, or to beg, God to, to cry out to God and just beg for him for, to give you direction. You have the wisdom. I know by faith that you're going to give it to me. But, boy, it'd be really helpful if you would just sit down right in front of me and tell me what, what to do. You see, uh, we come together as, as a church every week to worship God, right? And uh, we do that so that way together as a church, as a community, we can grow closer to God. Right? And we sense that this is important. The scriptures talk about it. Don't neglect the meeting together. This is important for us to do. 
We also know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is in us and with us. And yet, despite the fact that we have these meetings where we get to join together every week, and we know that the Holy Spirit is in us and we can pray with him continually, we still sense the separation between us and God. We still sense there's, I just can't put my arm around him, right? There is this, this, this difference that, uh, between me and him that right now has not been bridged. And it creates this uneasiness and this longing in our spirit. In heaven, there is no temple. It's a phenomenal thing. Uh, we, we think about what the temple is. Why even have a temple? Well, the temple was a place to meet with God. That's, that's why you'd have it, right? And when, and when we, they had a temple, didn't the people have some kind of security in that? They could look to that and say, God is there, <laughs> right? He's right there. And if, I need, if I'm feeling separated from him, if I have sinned, guess where I go? To the temple with my sacrifice, Right? Because he's there, I'll know he hears me. And so the temple was there to worship God, a place that we could go and meet with him and to to honor him and to worship him, a place that we knew that he would hear us. A temple was a place that we would learn about God. Because we can't see him with our eyes, because we can't hear him with our ears, because he is spirit and we are flesh and we are sinful and he is pure, there is this difference. We want to know about him and yet he's so other, so different. He's revealed himself through the word and we would go to the temple and we would come together as believers and and we would learn about this great God. But you don't need any of those in heaven. Because God is there. Very much there. I mean, a full restoration. And you think about uh, just how powerful that is. Now, yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is in us and we get to, to bring Christ into the world. And yet... Uh, like I said, there's still that, that separation that we feel. Think about it this way, too. Like when Jesus came and he died on the cross, what was one of the first things that happened? The curtain in the temple was torn. The curtain was torn, right? Between the Holy of Holies, where God's presence rested, right, over the, the mercy seat, and the rest of everybody else, the impure, God tore that. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm removing the separation, right? But the temple still stood, And then on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and we became the temple of God. And then 70 years later, God removed the physical temple so there wouldn't be any misunderstanding, right? That you don't need to go to this temple to worship and all this. That God is constantly removing blocks between us and him. Uh, Places that we have to go to meet with him. Places that we have to go to worship him. It's not a matter of a place. It's a matter of the place in my heart that I'm at. But how do we learn about him? Well, don't we still come to church? <laughs> don't we still meet together in Bible studies and come together as the body of Christ to learn about him? In heaven, there is no temple because God is there. He is the temple. If you want to, if you want to meet with God, guess where you get to go? God. That's where you'll go. You're like, I, I want to go talk to the Father about this. Okay. Talk to the Father. I want to talk to the Son about something. Bum, 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 bum. There he is. I want to talk to the Holy Spirit. Guess what? He's already there. He's everywhere. The thing is, that God is, is there. If you want to worship God, guess what? You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to, to go somewhere else or feel far off and distant from worship. You don't have to make a pilgrimage. God is there. If you want to worship the Lord? He's right there. 
You can tell him how awesome he is because he's pretty awesome. We even saying, you know, that we could dance a thousand miles because of his great love, that we could, you know, sing unending songs of how we say, guess what? <laughs> We're going to have an opportunity. It's going to be amazing because he's right there. Do you want to learn about God? We don't have to go and, and, and study and study and, and try to hope that we're interpreting right. And, 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 and we could just talk to him. We could talk to the infinite mind who created everything. And learn about it. Can you imagine how fascinating that would be? There is no temple. God's presence matters deeply. Now here's the, the cool thing about that. God's temple on earth showed that God wants to have a relationship with us. Otherwise, he wouldn't allow us to build him a temple, right? God was saying, all right, uh, it was one of the first forays of grace into the sinful world. God said, you know what? You guys are broken. You're distant. You're messing things up because you're running things your own way. And I've given you the ability to do that. You've taken that ability to do that. But I want to be with you. And he allowed them to build a tabernacle to guide them. (laughs) He allowed them to build a temple. And God's presence and grace rested on this broken world that we could have access to him through a high priest. Amazing. God built the temple because he wants to be with us. And he has been systematically, intentionally, consistently destroying every roadblock between us and him. That tells us something about God. Why is there no temple in heaven matter? Because it talks to us about God. In our faith, right? If we have a temple mentality that we're never going to really be close to God, that he is so other that God doesn't want to be with me, right? That God is mad at us and he's disgusted with us or he's so distant, so powerful that he would never want anything to do with us. What heaven talks about here is showing us that God's intent and his design has always been to have a relationship with people. Now, here's the amazing thing. Right now, you're the temple. You don't get to feel God all the time, but he's very much in you. There we'll get to sense and see and experience 100% what is true right now. God is in us and he is with us and he is for us. But we need to be in him and for him, right? The power of the Almighty is with us. And this is God's intent. This shows his heart for you. He wants to know you. He wants to have do life together with us. We don't have a separate God. We have a God who says, come near. And this is what he proves it, finally saying, no temple, nothing that separates. So great. But there's more. And I like this part. Uh, no lights and no dark. No lights and no dark. Uh, it's such a crazy cool thing. It says, he doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is his light. Now, here, think about this. Um, in creation, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but in creation, one of the first things that God does is he says, let there be light. Right? And then what does he do? separates the light from the darkness. I don't even know how you do that. Like everything. But he does. It's very important to God that light and dark are separate. Of course, we know now how God did that is he made light, uh, darkness, just the absence of light. That's, he just took the light right out of things and then you'd have darkness. Just amazing. But God is, uh, on the fourth day, he, he, he showed his heart in the midst of darkness. He said that God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars and God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. 
See, even in nighttime, God provides a light. Even in, when it's so dark, God provided a light for us, right? Now, in this, God is showing not just light and dark on the physics area. God is showing something about his character and what he, uh, who he is. Um, think about in uh, Scripture, uh, light doesn't always just mean light. It oftentimes means good and righteousness. And dark doesn't always mean just you know, black. It means wickedness. It means the absence of good, right? And so like in uh, John, the, the gospel, actually the guy who wrote Revelation, listen now, he talks about light and dark at the very beginning of his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, right? Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So he's referencing back to, Gen- to Genesis. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Here is the word. That's Jesus. He is the creator. He makes all these things. And he says he comes in this world. And who is he? He is the light. In fact, Isaiah called him. He would be a light to the Gentiles. Right? Now, he's not talking about Jesus didn't just glow. Right? It's not like he walked around and people were like, I don't need a flashlight. I have Jesus. Right? They didn't need a flashlight for their spirit anymore. Because they had the light of truth in Christ. They had the light of righteousness in Jesus. Right? And so Jesus is this light that goes into a dark place and begins to separate the light and the dark. He was the moon that walked into a very dark night of the world. Right? He is also the morning star, the sun. Right? He brought a new dawn for us, it talks about the scripture, of salvation. Right? We talk about in heaven... It's not just that there's not going to be darkness. There's going to be no spiritual darkness. None. Right? Whether by day or by night, you don't have to worry about the sun and the moon giving you light so that you can see. You have God himself. There is no possibility for darkness there. Right? There is, uh, and it's not just, well, I'm going to run into things and stub my toe at night. No, I think it's bigger than that. I'm never going to have a crazy thought about God that's not true that's going to lead me down some kind of wacky theology that separates me from him. I'm never going to live a lie only to find out when it's too late that I've been living a lie. Right? I'm never going to have doubt or gray in my life. I mean, it's going to be very clear to me exactly what is good and what is evil and what is right and what is wrong and what is praiseworthy and what is not praiseworthy. I'm never going to have debates with people over right fighting over this is the way that God wants things. And they're like, no, this is the way, right, that have caused all these denominations. None of that. There is no darkness. None. <laughs> there, is, there is no sin. In heaven, it's not as though we're going to get up there and then we're going to mess it up royally, right? That somehow, you know, we're going to be here, we're going to be good, and, and we're going to walk in Jesus' light. He's going to make us new. We're going to have new spirits and, and new body. We're going to be there, and then somehow there's darkness. God is there with us. There is no shade up there. There's no shady characters in heaven, you know, that'll rip you off from all your heavenly treasure that you stored up. Nobody. It is a place of perfect light. And that matters deeply to us because what in your life will you get to bring into heaven? You know, there's always those, those stories, that, like the jokes, that, like the guy, the, the, 
a very wealthy man who was very, very uh, good, very righteous. God comes down to him and says, all right, you, you know, you're going to come home soon. But because you've been so good, I'll let you take anything you want to with you into heaven. You can get one suitcase. So whatever you want in this world, one suitcase. The guy's, all right. Puts it on his bed. And he starts putting gold bricks into it, just gold bricks, loads it up and all that. Has it next to him, passes away. You know, he gets up to heaven. And, uh, and the angel's there, and he's like, uh, what's in the suitcase? What'd you bring? And he opens it up. And all these gold and everything. And the angel says, you brought pavement? <laughs> so, the reality is, we know that we don't get to bring stuff with us to heaven, or do we? There are things that we get to bring into heaven with us, but they're not the dark things. They're, they're not the shameful things of your life, right? The things that we get to bring into heaven are the things that are true and, and are righteous and are good. Those things, in fact, Jesus said, they'll become for us a heavenly storehouse. So be rich in good works. Be rich in faithfulness. Be rich in kindness. Be rich in mercy. Be rich in service to others in the name of Christ. Store for yourselves treasures of light. Right? That matters deeply because it matters how you invest your life today. If you want to invest your life into the things of this world that maybe not be so perfect or about this world, you're not going to have anything there. So store to yourselves treasures of light. Because that's where it's going to be. There's no dark there. So what are you going to bring there? It matters deeply. <laughs> what are you going to bring to heaven with you? I love that. And it says this, the nations will walk by its light. The nations. Can you imagine whole countries that there's never corruption? That in fact, the nations, all the different kinds of people. We're not even going to be separated by that. We're going to be all kinds of different kinds of people. And we're always going to walk by His light. We're always going to live according to God and His ways and His will. There's going to be no separation that way. The kings of the earth are going to bring their splendor into it. Right? What kind of splendor? Darkness? Well, no. That doesn't get to go there. Acts of goodness. Righteousness. Praiseworthy things. And you think about the amazing things that countries have done. And we can do some good things. Like we can land people on the moon. Right? We can do some awesome stuff together. And God says, you know what? The things that are done in righteousness, they get to come. It's phenomenal. No darkness. And I love that. There doesn't have to be any other lights. We don't have to go to another source or to read about or to learn about or whatever to say, to bring light, to enlighten us. God is there. <laughs> Amazing. Now, last one that we have is this. There's no shut gates. Okay? It says, uh, on no day will his gates ever be shut where there'll be no night there. Now, I understand this. You have to think about first century. And if you've gone to the Holy Land or you've seen pictures or you've done anything like studying like the ancient world, you'll see that they have these strange things around cities, the walls. Now, to us, we think, well, that's a crazy thing. Why don't you build a wall around a city? It's, you know, it's not going to keep airplanes out. But they put these big old walls around. And the reason they would put walls around their cities is because people would want to kill them and take away their wealth. Right? They would be scared. For themselves. So, so if you had wealth or you had a city of, of prominence, you had better have big walls to defend you. Right. And, it, and the thing about when you, you have to have a good city planner, because once you put the wall up, it's hard to, you know, annex more people into your tax base. So you had to really think about how big you wanted to be. But you can't be too big because walls are expensive, hard to maintain and, and all that. But they would have these big old walls. 
Now, the thing about walls is you have to keep bad things out, but they also keep good things in. And, and you're going to have to leave your city at some point, right? You can't just have a big old walled city and then like, see a world, we're never going to talk to anybody ever, ever, never, right? You have to have a way in and out. And so that's why they have gates. And so you have specific points where they could guard and they could say, all right, we're going to make sure that only the people that are safe in this city can get in and then you can leave. Now, the amazing thing about that is uh, gates open and shut. And the reason they did that, you didn't have always open because then you have a vulnerability because at night you can't see very far. And if you're going to attack a city, night's a good time to do it. People are asleep. They're not, you know, awake, all that kind of stuff. And you can get really close before they know they're under siege. Right. That's the thing about night. Dark things can hide in it. So what these cities would do is make these big old doors. They were massive. And then at, in the evening, they would have a big old call that would go out. And it was like, if you want to come inside, you better come in now. or You're going to stay out there all night long. Right. And then they would close the doors. Right. So they were good and safe on the inside all night long. And in the morning, they'd open up for business. Heaven doesn't work like that. Right. For starters, who on earth would be able to attack heaven? God is there. Right. Not to mention you have the angels around every single doorpost. Right. That were pretty safe. And you have these massive walls right, that are there to protect us. But the gates don't have to be closed. There is no enemy. See, God has totally separated light from dark in the new heaven, and new earth. There is no dark. There is no enemy. There is, there is no adversary out there waiting in the wings to get us. There's no place for that adversary to hide. There is no threat that what we have there will be taken away. There is, I mean, think about the level of peace that is. And I have said many times, almost every week, there is no sequel to heaven, right? It is there. That's all we have. And it's wonderful. So much so they don't even have to shut the gates. There's never an opportunity for attack. There's never opportunity for loss. There's no, there's no one to do it. Which means that in heaven, we have a place that is for us, and we have complete freedom, access. Which means that you'll never accidentally get shut outside those gates and not have access to God. Ever. There is nothing to separate you from God. The, the fact that there are no gates in heaven is an amazing thing. But here's the thing. There are still gates. The gates aren't shut up there because God will have already separated the light from the dark. And those that can walk into heaven, well, not the impure, not who those who do are shameful or deceitful, right? Which would be all of us, right? All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Guess who's impure? You, me. So how do we get our names in the Lamb's Book of Life? When God separates the light and the dark, when he reveals heaven, how do you know that you're a child of the light? Well, that's why we did Romans Road, right? That's what it talks about. That if you believe in Jesus Christ as your God and your Savior, you worship Him, you will be saved. This is your heaven. This is your home. This is where we are going. And it's not that far off. In fact, it talks about in Scripture many, many times. It's imminent, right? It's upon us, it says. Yeah, it's taken Jesus 2,000 years. From our perspective, that may seem like a while. However, you've got to think, he said soon, it's been 2,000 years, the clock's still ticking, right? Like every day is a day closer. And who knows? It might be today. It might be tomorrow. But this is our home. This is where we go. So do we live with fear? No. If you take my body, guess where it goes? 
Right. If you take my happiness in this life, it's just but a short time. Guess where I'm going? Right. If if you cause trouble in my life, if there are darkness in my life, will it last forever? No. I have peace. I have hope. I have security forever. And that is thanks to God. That's why his presence matters. A heaven without a God would be a miserable, miserable place. But knowing that we get to rest with God forever, well, that's the place I want to be. So as I bring this morning's message to a close, if you have a, as I bring the worship team up here, let me move this out of the way. I want you to pull out your card because I have some next steps, some important things to do. The first thing, if you take out that card on the back, it says memorize Romans 10, 13. Now, I would encourage you, memorize all of Romans Road. Why not? It's not hard. Just do it. Um, that's there. But if you want to commit to that, I'll be praying for you this week um, for that. Also, I'd be praying for an unbelieving friend or a relative uh, because, you know what, until they are in the light, there really isn't gray. Right? There's light and there's dark. And be praying for them because this is a place that God wants everyone to be. Right? That God's heart is for all to come to know him. So be praying for them. God loves them even more than you, and he's with them. Ask them to change their heart. Ask them to work in their life to show him his love. Ask for opportunity. That's the next one. Ask for an opportunity to share the gospel. Right? And that's why we've been practicing Romans Road. That's why we've been getting into the Word. That's why we've been talking about heaven. Talk about the good news of Jesus. This awesome place that we get to go, which is heaven, which is amazing. Or maybe there's some darkness in your life. <laughs> I would say chances are pretty high, but it's all of us, right? In this world, we still struggle. We still grapple in the gray a whole lot. Well, if there is a sin in your life, something that, you know what, this is part of your life that you're not going to get to take to heaven with you. (laughs) If there is something in there that is inconsistent with the person that God is making you, if there is a sin that you've been struggling with for a long time, I can ask you to confess that. Confess it to God. It says in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And gets the best part, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He'll pull the dark right out. That's an amazing thing. So if you have a sin to confess, do that. Get close to God. Also, if there's something else, maybe something else from this message, or God's working in your heart, let us know what you're committing to. We will be praying for you. Also, um, if you have a prayer request, please uh, mark that down. We will be praying for you this week, um, which would be awesome. Now, here in a minute, um, we're going to take the offering. And so as we take the offering, if you wouldn't mind just dropping that in there, that would be really appreciated. Um, that should be a great thing. Uh, but before we do that, I just also, as we close, want to say to our Ravencrest students that have been with us, a part of our family for this year, we're so grateful uh, to have you. Uh, you are part of this church family. And so when you come back, I hope that you come and visit. Uh, but wherever you are, we have family out there. So we're going to pray for you guys also as we close. So uh, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, You are a kind and a gracious and a good and a powerful God, but you're also an everlasting God. You are a merciful God. And so, Father, as we look forward to heaven, as we look forward to what you have set for us, Father, we we long for a day where we will be in a place, Lord, that, uh, Father God, there doesn't have to be a temple. That we can just talk to you face to face. We, we, we look forward to a place where there's no darkness and no night. That, that your light will shine and your goodness will be all that there is. Lord, and there will be, there will be no gray in our lives. And Father, we 
look forward to the knowing that there is going to be no shut gates. At no time will be separated from you or your people. Father God, we look forward to that. We long for that. But today, Lord, help us to live like those that are the temple. Help us live like those who walk in your light, in the light of your word, Father God. Help us live like those, our great ambassadors, to help usher in even more to come to know you so that they can have a relationship with you. Father God, that is our heart. Lord, we, we pray for the Ravencresters that have been here and such a wonderful part of our church family. We know they're part of your eternal family. Father, we ask you to bless them as they go. Magnify their ministry. Protect their spirits, Father. Everything that was invested this year, I pray, Father, that uh, would be used to glorify you and to bring about your kingdom. And Father God, we send them into your hands because that's where they've always been. And Father, for us as a congregation, as we bring this morning's message to a close, help us each keep the, the commitments that we've made to serve you and to live in your life, Lord, because we love you. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.